The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Today, we are talking about stepping into your power by being aware and in control of the stories that you tell yourself. And we tell ourselves because we, <laughs> we're we not perfect. Um, I've got Meg, and she is a life coach, hypnotherapist, podcast host. Also, she has the art of being human, but it's like H-U-M-A-N. Like, so I love it. Um, And I've got all of her details linked below. I've got her website linked below. She's coming all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, and Brit- British Canada. British Columbia, British Columbia Canada. Canada. Yeah. So British Columbia is like your state, like the way you guys have states, we just have them as provinces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I was look, like looking it over, like I knew all of, all of the words and I was just like, yeah. oh crap, I forgot to add that. Anyway, Meg, <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to get to this topic because let me tell you, it is so timely. Like yeah. I was literally just thinking about this on my walk this morning. You know what? Like I, and I, I don't know if you're going to agree with me and you're, you're welcome not to agree with me, but I look at the state of our world and I'm like, you know what the world needs desperately empowered females. We need empowered females that are going to step up and really show people a new way of being in the world. Cause I think we're done with the old way of, of, you know, the ways our societies are, are, are sort of put together. We're done with that. We're done with, you know, kind of this patriarchal, you know, hierarchical, meritocratical kind of way of living. And if you have empowered females and empowered feminine energy in the world, I think that there are some very, very cool things possible for us. And so I am so excited about allowing people to look at what is my relationship with power and how do I influence my empoweredness? I don't think that's a very technical word, but we're going to, we're going to use it. How do I influence how empowered I feel? So to me, this is, this is a a conversation we have to have, especially as women, we need to have it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's so important. And I know that you feel this way uh, because of conversations before that we're self-aware. We got to be self-aware in this process of being so empowered because there's a lot of people out here that are real empowered about things that, that are more just self-righteous, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so that's why I was like, let me, let me make sure if you're ever, if this is a first time here in this podcast, that I am not the female that's going to just be like, rah, rah, we're this. No, I believe that we absolutely need to have this feminine energy and we need more of a balance, but man, this yeah. world this world. Mm. And, you know, Mm. I love that you talk about, you know, controlling the stories we tell ourselves. And I was about to make like a reel today on my walk saying, but my dogs are with me. And I swear it was everybody take your dog to the park day today (laughs) and on the walk. And, you know, it it was just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, but I was just like, stop believing the lies that people have told to you with their own limiting beliefs. Yeah. You know, one, to go back to what you said about awareness, here's the thing, right? If you want to make cultural impact, if you want to make a change in this world, or even if you just want to make a change in your own life, if you don't have awareness, you will become the very thing that you're fighting against. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is why so many, even, even social justice movements don't work in the long run, because what happens is they, they see the problem really clearly. They are very, very aware of what the other side's problems are, Mm -hmm. but they lack their own awareness. So when they overcome or when they make change, they turn into exactly the thing they were fighting against. 
And so now a new, we have a new way of being, we have a new, new people in power, we have new, new structures, but they have the same oppressive feeling that the old structures had. So it's not real change. It's simply a shift in the guards for a lack of a better way of saying it. And personally, that's true as well, right? Like when we look at people and we go, you know, I want to be accepted by my community. I want to be accepted by my family. And so I'm going to like, I'm going to have strong boundaries and I'm going to communicate my truth. And I'm going to do all this stuff because they need to accept me. So the problem is them. They need to accept me. Once you're there, you're going to turn around and do the same thing to other people because you don't have your own awareness, right? Your own awareness of the people that you don't accept because more, more than likely. And it's so funny because I'm from the West coast. So I'm obviously this West coast liberal, right? Like (laughs) you just, you just know I'm from Vancouver. I got all these crazy West coast liberal woo woo ideas. And I come from a family that's super conservative, you know, middle of the country, you know, Bible belt kind of family. And for the longest time, I was all about like, they need to change. They need to change. They need to change. And I was really just wanting a shift in the guards. I just wanted them to believe the same things I did. I just wanted them to have the same worldview that I had, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden I went, okay, what's missing? Well, they don't accept me. And then I went, wait, but I don't accept them. And that's a level of awareness. A lot of us don't hit, you know, if they're, if we, if we see an issue here, we also need to bring the thing we think the other side needs to bring. If they need to accept us, we need to accept them. And it was amazing because in relationships with my family, I went, okay, if I want them to accept me, let me double down on accepting them. And it was shocking what happened. All of a sudden, it wasn't as contentious. They were more open to hearing my ideas. There wasn't this level of tension between us because I had brought the thing that was needed instead of simply placing the responsibility on them to bring the thing that's needed. I was so aware of what their problems were that I wasn't aware of what I myself wasn't bringing. Does that resonate or does that, is that making sense the way I'm describing it? Very much so. And I, I, I'm sitting here writing so much about what, what you're saying, because it's so true. Like I, I look, for instance, let's talk about party lines and I'm, it's funny. Cause I'm conservative. <laughs> like I've already, oh, no. it's thrown at me, but like, honestly, like I'm just, I'm not I'm, I'm so our society is so polarized like you're either mm-hmm. this way you think this way or you're this way and you think this way and yeah. it it really both both sides have become so radical like I'm talking about the far far ends of the spectrum and that's not really a good representation so I'm an independent thinker you know yeah. I will look at a situation like for her situation and um I, uh, I saw how so many people on this side, we're talking about how hateful these other people are, but if you're focusing Mm. on all of the negatives of other people, then you're doing the same thing. Like you're being just as hateful. You're being, and it it gets under my skin so much. Like they don't realize how much they are alike and it's always this constant fight. And I, I was writing, what I was writing is like, you have to accept yourself. You expect mm. everybody else to accept you, but you don't accept who you are. A lot of times people don't accept who they truly are because they, if you really care about who you were, you wouldn't care about what everybody else thought about you. Like their opinions really don't matter. And so their need, their <laughs> the need for them to accept you wouldn't be a need, you know, like it, it just, it wouldn't. And I mean, I've learned that over the years, like just loving me as I am. So what if somebody don't like me? There's people I don't like too. Like it's, do I treat them with respect and kindness? Absolutely. But this idea that we need to um, have other people accept us before we do. So that's what I was getting from it. That and stop Um, expecting you out of other people, you know, and stop expect like expecting others to do and be things that they're not capable of doing, not because they can't, because they don't want to. You know what? I, I, I love what you're saying because here's the thing, right? 
it is my belief system. And again, you're free to disagree. It is my belief system that we have a lot of adult sized bodies walking around that have child mindsets. There's so many of us that have not grown up. Do you know what I mean? Because growing up means I stop taking my, the majority of my validation from other people. Cause here's what happens when you're, when you're born, right? Human beings are one of the only species that has almost no, um, no sort of innate instinct for how to live. Like if you, and I, I realize I'm not saying that properly. So let me explain it a little bit differently. If, if you think of a, let's say a baby turtle is born on a beach, it immediately will make its way to the water. It has an instinct to go where life is, right? It knows how to protect itself. If you look at, you know, a little calf being born within 15 minutes, it can stand up and walk and walk with its herd, right? If you put a little baby down on the ground, it dies. That's it. It, it, it needs the care of its parents, right? And the way that it gets care from its parents is by modifying itself so that the parent will nurture the child. That is just how human beings are developed, right? So when we come into the world, we very, very quickly begin to look at our primary caregivers. We watch their facial expressions and we go, how do I modify myself to make sure that you give me the care I need so that I can survive? That's our survival instinct. And so we immediately are identifying who we are and what we need to be from outside of us. That's a child right? That's the way children ensure their survival. But at some point in time, you have to realize I'm no longer a child. So I no longer look outside of myself for my validation and my need to survive. I now look inside of myself. Who am I? Who do I want to be? That's the, that's growing up. And unfortunately, in North America, we have no really sort of um, growing up rituals, right? Like if you look at the indigenous people, or if you look at other communities in the world, they have these ceremonies that they take their children through to say like, you are now a man. We don't have that. So we hit 18, we graduate and we go, now what? And somehow we're supposed to have grown up and we didn't. And so we have a lot of people walking around still having this child mindset. You must validate me. You must like me. You must tell me I'm okay. And a huge part of taking your power back is saying, no, I will validate myself because I am now an adult. I have matured and I will be aware of who I allow to validate me from the outside. Because the truth is we're communal beings, right? We need community. So it's, we can't say, oh, I don't need any validation from outside of myself. No, we do. We need validation from outside of ourselves. That's okay. But from whom? You choose that when you're an adult, you don't say I need so-and-so to validate me, you know, just because you go, no, I choose my family to validate me, or I choose my friends, or I choose my community. They, I will allow them to validate me and take that in. But not every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the universe needs to validate you because that's an impossible and improbable thing that could happen. And you're really setting yourself up to be godlike, which I think is fascinating. When you want everyone's validation, you're basically saying, put me in a godlike status because no, a human experience, a human experience is to have disagreement and tension. Mm -hmm. A godlike experience is everyone must worship me. Everyone must think I'm correct. Everyone must agree with me. And so really taking an inner look and going, you know, this desire that I have to have everyone validate me is actually a desire to be godlike. And that's unhealthy. And we need to take a step back and step away from that hubris a little bit. Too many of us have too high self-esteem. We think it's low self-esteem. Oh, I want everyone to validate me. No, it's sometimes that's too high a self-esteem. I want to be worshipped. I want my ideas to be worshipped like a God. And it's like, no, that's not the human experience. I'm so excited for this podcast to come out because this is, <laughs> I'm just, I'm already just, this is such, such a good conversation. Um, I love how you mentioned, you know, the rites of passage. Um, and we don't really have rites of passage mm -hmm. in our society, as well as the fact that we are communal beings. And it's funny, I was, I was watching, I was in church on Sunday and um, we were talking about, well, the pastor was talking about how children copy their parents, you know, they really, they follow the parents to a T. So it's like, as a parent for me, I'm going to want to be someone my child, I would want to see my child as an, in the world, you know, I would want yeah. to be that, right. Because they're, they're going to come up under me. Right. And then, but as adults see, and this is where my, like, 
because I have an affirmation. I only seek the approval of God. So that's, that's where I've gotten to the point where it's like, it's, it'll be people in my like circle that they have limiting beliefs. And I'm like, I ain't really looking for their validation right now because I'm on a path. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. But yes, it's like, could you care? Like, and that's one of those hard things to balance and to shift and to accept and realize that some people are going to feel some way. And you know, this as a person that has gone out and done your own thing, that you're going to have that resistance. And yes, that is all a part of the human yeah. experience. So not at all. Am I trying to be godlike? but I, I was talking about some prayer warriors that I know that their prayers just make moves. Like mm. I had one of my coworkers, he's 65 years old and he is so positive and he very human, but very, very spiritually led. He talks so much about church and everything. And not only that, but he really acts and lives a specific life. He's constantly quoting scriptures. And um, I, I was like, you know what? I've been having a really hard time getting up because I've been so tired on Sunday mornings to go to church. And I'm too active in my church to like not be there because I already got a text mm. message about like, oh, I didn't get so <laughs> <You know? laughs> So, <laughs> and he's like, I said, can you pray for me? Listen, why did I wake up at 6.30 the next morning? Mm. After getting to sleep, like after one o'clock, I woke up at 6.30 with all this extra energy. I said, oh, I'm gonna have him pray for me more often. <laughs> something more serious happened. A coworker of mine, their niece was um, shot like six times mm. and she was basically on her deathbed and he had her pray. I'm he asked so him sorry. to pray for this family member. And the next day, she started to feel her legs again and she started to heal at a rapid pace. And I'm just like, man, so like, that's what I'm trying to like go and emulate. Uh, I know this is totally a side tangent, but it's like in that aspect of it, like really just being more, having more forgiveness for people, having more, uh, you know, love, loving people like Jesus does. And I I'm getting on this whole like God tangent, but I love that. I, I love that. You need to have that guy on speed dial. <laughs> Anytime I need something, sir, could you please pray for me? But you know, here's the beautiful thing, right? Prayer is actually a very, very important thing. And I know, like, again, I'm West Coast, so you got a lot of woo-woo, woo-woo beliefs out here, right? And, and and we wouldn't be considered conservative, but I think there's something really important what you're talking about there, because one of the things you're talking about is this idea of just contemplating something outside of yourself right? Like when you pray, you are taking time to actually, if you think about it, listen to your own story. Cause what do we do when we pray? So I grew up in a conservative Christian home. You begin to listen to your own story. You begin to go, you know, let's say you're praying as a Christian. Um, and that, cause that's the only example that I have. So if there's listeners out there that pray in different ways, my apologies that I can't give you an example. Um, that's more in line with your faith. But, um, if you're praying as a Christian, you know, you go, dear God or God, you know, please help me allow me to, you know, give me the strength. And so you're, you're, you're listening to your own story as you're praying and you're listening to your own needs. And here's the cool thing about prayer. Prayer leads to a miracle. Well, what is a miracle? A miracle is a change in perspective right now. A miracle is a lot more, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different miracles, but a miracle is a change in perspective. So you're praying and you're hoping for a miracle, which is a change in perspective, right? Which you then, a miracle will often lead us to what we call repentance. Repentance is a changing of the mind, right? That's technically, if I repent, it means I've changed my mind about something. So you're praying, you're hearing your own story. You're looking for your miracle, which is a change in perspective. You're then repenting. So you're changing your mind. Your new perspective gave you a change of mind. And then you you're born again right? You have transformation. And it's like this beautiful loop that you can go through again and again and again. Prayer leads to a miracle. A miracle leads to repentance. Repentance leads to being born again, again and again and again in your life, which is why I think prayer, although I probably wouldn't be the type of person, you know, to tr be a traditional prayer, maybe in, in some aspects, because um, I, I, I don't live a traditionally Christian life. I think prayer is one of the most important things you can participate in. One of the most important, because it will bring you your miracle. Because as you're listening to your story, you will get your new perspective, right? Because when you think about the stories that we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves the stories um, normally we're given, we're handed down stories from our culture. And let's be honest, those stories are BS. 
Mm-hmm. Right. The story. Now here's the thing. I say that quite harshly and I apologize. I say that harshly because I, we are at that place where we're looking back at the stories and saying they're BS at the time, the stories that were being told were revolutionary, the American dream, you know, you can have a loving relationship with a spouse. You can have children, you can have an education. Those were revolutionary stories at the time. <clears throat> we are simply on the other side of that now where those stories are no longer true. Right. If you live in North America there and you live under that tyranny of, I must get married. I must have children. I must have, you know, an education. I must make so and so much money. Now those things are, 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 are almost like a prison we're in because that's the truth of every story. Because if you think about it, when you create a story, that story must be malleable. It must be able to change and flow. Like if you think about Jesus, since we're talking about that, Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, right? This is the old story. Here's the new story. Don't kill your brother. No, no, no. Don't even think badly about your brother. He's constantly moving the narrative forward, right? And so in the same way, we're at that stage of life right now where we're looking at stories that were sold to us and we're going, wait, I've heard it said the American dream is possible, but I say unto you, the American dream is actually more harmful than anything else. And so we need to be able to tear those stories down, right? So you want to look at the stories that you've been told about what's possible, what our society thinks is important, what what makes you valuable as a human being, because we're told those stories. We're not told the story you're valuable as you are. We're told you're valuable if you are white, straight, rich, and educated. That's what we're told right? Which is such BS, such BS. That's a story that so needs to be torn down. So we need to look at those stories and go in that story. What is my identity? Do I like that identity that that story is giving me? Because let's say, okay, we're both women. So let's say the story that we've been sold is a woman we need to get married, right? Because we're kind of given this story of that's our purpose. We need to find a man or you know, if, if you're in the LGBTQ community, you need to find a woman, right? A spouse, whatever that spouse looks like for you. My apologies for not being a little bit more inclusive there. I was just thinking of my own experience. Um, but what happens if you're not married? So the identity is you are someone who is less than, right? Simply because you didn't match the story that was handed to you. So you immediately have an identity that sets you back, that, that puts you on the defense, that makes you, um, that, that pushes you further down the line of worthiness. You're not quite as worthy because you don't have a man or a woman in your life, right? So then if you have that identity, that story gives you an identity, then that identity gives you a challenge. What's the challenge? I must overcome this. I must get a spouse. I must find someone to love, right? And then that challenge will take you on a trajectory. Therefore, I'm going to be on all the apps. I'm going to go to church and look for a spouse. I'm going to spend hours praying that God bring me someone in my life. Well, wait, what happens if you don't have to get married? What happens if you go all the way back to that beginning story and go, you know, I can walk through life as a single person and it's 100% okay. And now I can relax. I don't have the identity of someone that's missing something in life. I have the identity of someone who's experiencing life in its own unique way, which will give me its own set of challenges. What do I want to do with all this time I have? What do I want to do with, you know, my, my life? It's a, maybe I want to travel. Maybe I want to start a business. Maybe I want to go to university. Maybe I want to do all this stuff. You have a new set of challenges and it takes you on a new trajectory. Maybe you're going to be a boss woman of some, something, maybe you're going to start a missionary thing, maybe, like who knows, but like now you're living your life based on your awareness and on your control instead of somebody gave me an idea and it set my whole life down a track where I've spent years wasting my time thinking I needed to fix my story or fit into my story instead of just changing the story. Yeah. I, I love all of these things. Um, and this is all about speaking, um, life into your situation. And I was born a Buddhist. I'll just put that out there. So as born a nation Buddhist, I have had a very, very broad, um, spiritual background. So I'm very, I'm, I'm one of those people that's very open to different forms of prayer and everything like that. But bottom line, wherever religion somebody has, they are speaking life into their situation. And it, Joe Dispenza even talks about this heavy about, you know, how you, it all starts in the mind. It 
all just start, and you know, this as a hypnotherapist, like it really, that's source of the mind, right? And that's how our realities are changed and shifted. And I think it's so, my biggest takeaways from this are, you know, determine what success, value, purpose, all of those things mean for you. Like if the American story is what you want, like, cool, go after it. You know, like if that's what you want, but if you want something else and it's, you got to know what you you really want it. You got to ask yourself why, and you got to be really serious. What makes you want it? And don't be like, oh, because that's what everybody else has. Okay. But what do you want? Yeah. And, and I, I'm seeing a shift with a lot more people doing the things that they want to do, but then again, there's other people in, in specific societies that just, they just don't, they don't. And, but this is, um, this is so powerful because it's how it starts. This is all yeah. how it starts. So what are some of the other ways that um, are like, what would you say the process would be to creating your story um, the way that you want it to be? Yeah. You know, one of the things, the first step is always going, um, what, what is my story? Right. Like, because we often are running on narratives. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We do not know. Cause it, it's such an interesting thing. I spent, I spent a huge amount of my time working. I adore working. And it only recently occurred to me that the reason I love working so much is because I think I'm pleasing my mother <laughs> because my mother's narrative that she always put in my head as a child was work hard because that's your worth work hard because that's your worth, right? You must work hard. You must work hard. And the other day it was so cute. I said to my husband, gosh, I haven't taken time off in forever. I said, you know what I'd love? I would like love five days off. And he goes, we'll do it. And I'm like, oh no, that would be bad. And he went, oh, there's a story there. There's a story there because when we make those judgments, that's bad that's good. This means I'm worthy. There's a story behind that somewhere, somehow you picked something up that says, Mm. Hey, you are only good, worthy or whatever, if you do this. And so that clued me in. Yeah. Why would five days off be bad? Like, you know, people need to rest. And so I kind of went into it and, and I realized, wow, I have this narrative of my mom. My parents grew up in poverty. They're from Mexico. They immigrated to Canada. They were extremely poor. And so it was like, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. I'm not in that place in my life where I have to work as hard as I am, but I'm still doing it. Right. And so it's like, Ooh, okay. So first just become aware of your story. And you can do that through journaling. Journaling is a great way. Give yourself a prompt. Like, why do I think it's important to, and then start writing and go, you know, like, let's say, because we talked about marriage once I'll say, why do I think it's important to have a spouse and then start writing and you'll see your own story flowing onto the page. Or if you don't love journaling, speak it into a recorder, right. Or, or your phone or voice app or whatever, and then just listen back and listen for keywords that are judgment words. Good bad, you know, acceptable, unacceptable, must, ought to, should listen to those and begin to slowly question them and go, who says, who told me, where did I pick that up? Right. Or you can talk to a friend, go, listen, I'm going to tell you all my thoughts. And I want you to tell me what you hear me saying. That's another way to really, really just first become aware of what your story is, because you can't write a new story unless you're aware of your old story right? So you want to be able to say, okay, what is my old story? And then you want to ask yourself, what do I really value? Not what do I pretend to really value, which is what we mostly do. Most of the time, if you say to someone, what do you value? They'll say, oh, family, relationships, love. But then you go, how do you live your life? I work all the time. I have no time for anyone and I'm constantly stressed. And I'm like, okay, so what you gave me was aspirational values, the values you aspire to, but what are your real values? What do you really value? So get in touch with what do I really value? And then ask yourself, do I want to value that? Or do I want to value something different? And if you go, no, I want to value something different, go great. What would a person like that who valued that, what would they sound like? What would they talk like? What would they do? What actions would be in alignment with them and really go, okay, so the new story behind that would be right if, uh, and then you write your new story. So I'll give you a quick example. So we'll stick with my mom, right? So my mom gave me the narrative that I have to work harder. I have no worth. Um, And so I, I become aware of that story. 
Then I say to myself, what are my real values? Is hard work and the worth that I feel behind hard work, is that really my value? And I go, you know what? It isn't because I believe I'm valuable even if I don't spend all my time working. So what do I really, really value? And let's say I I decide on something like, you know, being intuitive, actually really value being intuitive, meaning I know when to stop working because I can feel it in my body. It's time to stop working. I know when it's time to go on a work binger because I can feel it. My body's ready to be creative. Okay. So I actually really value being an intuitive worker more than I value being a hard worker. So what does someone who's an intuitive worker sound like? What do they do? What do they feel like? And then I begin to write a new story and then go, okay, what actions match this? So if I'm an intuitive worker, I will set an alarm on my phone every two hours to say, do I still feel like working or do I feel like I need a break. So I'm the type of person I get up at six in the morning and I don't stop working until I go to bed. So like, that's why every two hours is probably a good. Do I still feel like working? No. If I'm tuning in, I need a break. Okay. Put the pen down, turn the computer off, go take a half an hour break. And then at the end of that half an hour, do I feel like I need to go back to work? Yes. Yes, I do. Or I I feel like I should but truthfully, I don't want to. Okay. Extend your break. And then you start to write and act like your new story. Does that make sense? Or tell me if, tell me if that's confusing or if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. And it reminded me of this reel that I also made yesterday because I was, I was just like on, and I haven't put it out yet, but I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be out. It's basically, you know, if you're if you have a very high work ethic, that's how I worded it. If you have a very high work ethic and you're just having an off day, you have to understand that your bare minimum is like somebody mm. else's um, doing the most. <laughs> like, yeah. Like give yourself a break. It's going to be okay because I'm, I'm at the stage where it's like, even when I feel like I'm not doing a lot, I'm still doing a lot. And I, I don't, give myself the same type of value of like all the work that I do. Um, So like, that's where I'm at, but I love, I'm actually going to do this, like be an intuitive worker because I'm totally in, I've lately, it's been like, in. I have to do my initiation habits first. Like I need to just mm. sit down, Olivia, just sit down and do that. And once I sit down, I'm good. I can go. And I'm, but it's like, yeah. there's been hints of procrastination popping in and I'm like, but it's just, I'm going through a shift in my life. So that, I think that is why, but I love that you said that, but yes, no, it makes complete and total, total <laughs> to check in with yourself, especially and I mean, the people that listen to this, they are badass women that are doing the most yeah. all the time on some basic person's standard, you know, and it's not, I'm not trying to like say it, like anybody's better than anybody, but you have people that are attracted to this type of information all have high work ethics. Yeah. You know, so they're constantly developing and, and becoming better people, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. I, I love that. I, I think that's really beautiful. And one of the things that people who have very, very high work ethics need to remember is that you can put, and, and, and you can take this with a grain of salt. You don't have to believe this, but I think it's important to remember that our world is very based on meritocracy and hierarchy, right? So you must earn it. You must deserve it. And that can be a driving force behind the hard work ethic. Now, here's the thing. If you're working hard because you love it, awesome. You're, you have love-based fuel, beautiful. But if you have fear-based fuel, you're going to burn out, babe. You're going to burn out because your fuel source matters more than the work you produce. Because most of us will get into even, let's say, personal development, fear-based. There's something wrong. I need to be more productive. I need to be better. There's something wrong with me. So you're using fear-based fuel to motivate you to get better. That's fine. We all enter that way. No big deal. It's no problem. At some point in time, though, if you don't shift your fuel source, you will burn out because fear will exhaust you in ways love never will. 
right? Love doesn't exhaust you. Love inspires you. Love makes you want to go, 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 go. Love is like, oh, it's never enough. I just want to do more. Fear is like you better or else. If you have a voice behind you that's yelling you better or else, you will get tired because the fear will make your adrenals keep going, right? You're going to be going on adrenaline. You're going to be going in fight or flight. And so all of your hard work is a coping method for the fear. You think to yourself, wow, look, I'm this hardworking person. No, you're coping to deal with the fear. Once you change your fuel source to love, all of a sudden life becomes so much easier and you're putting out the same work, you're, you're, but you're not exhausted by it because you're love. It's a little bit like if we go back to Christianity, right? There's a reason there's the law, right? The Old Testament gave us the law. That's great. You need the law at some point in time. We all need a starting place, the law, but you can't stay at law. That's why Jesus came at some point in time. You have to move yourself from law to love, right? Because Jesus was about love. And so if you are stuck in law, you get stuck in a purity culture. I must remove everything impure from me. I must remove every, so I cannot be around a sinner. I cannot drink caffeinated coffee because we got to take the caffeine out. I cannot eat, I have to eat sugar-free sugar or, or for sugar-free chocolate. Like I have to remove, 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 remove. And we, we think that the purer we get, the better we are, but no, you're going to exhaust yourself. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us we're not called to purity because it's impossible for the human. We're called to holiness. Holiness means I make a hole out of something broken. I make a completion, right? Which means I accept the fact that I am not perfect. I accept the fact that sometimes I drink too much coffee. I accept the fact I, I take it all within me because that's the human experience. We keep trying to sanitize the human experience to make it always positive and always lovely and always wonderful. You cannot sanitize the human experience. Sometimes life is crap mm -hmm. and it's hard and we hate it. And that's okay. That's part of it. Jesus came to show us that's okay. Like he was on a cross and he went, yep, yeah, this is part of it. You know, the dying is part of it. Like this sucks. I don't like this, but it's part of it. And, and, and that is the lesson we were meant to learn. And so if you stay law-based as a Christian, you get these fundamental conservative Christians who are pointing fingers at everyone who's doing it wrong. But if you yeah. are a love-based Christian, all of a sudden you go, look, we might disagree, but you are my brother. You are my sister. I will love you regardless of our differences, right? And same thing if you're a, a hardworking woman. If you're a hardworking woman or man and you're fear-based, you will get burnt out, right? That's how you know. If you listen to your, 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 your most you know, treasured, I don't know, business person that you follow, listen if they've ever had burnout. Have they ever had burnout? Have they ever gone ahead to stop? Because they're fear-based people then. So be careful if you take their information too seriously because they're fear-based, right? Or do they say, and then I learned some things and I became love-based. And now all of a sudden I have this access to unlimited energy. Anyway, I think I that think, might have been off topic. But no, no, no. I, I think so. It actually, I wrote down this note when you were talking about identifying your story in step one. Um, no what mindsets your story have been developed by. So, you know, with your mother being an immigrant. Now, I believe that immigrants are the hardest working people in this country. That is their mindset. They have to get it out the mud. Seriously, they've got to work so hard. They don't have the same, not every, not all, but in a lot of cases, they don't have the same education skills. Yeah that and it's still a learning curve and it's still they they're dealing with that was gener like they were dealing with racist stuff when they got here you know i can't yeah. say that it's it's i don't know exactly their experience but i don't expect it to be um some great experience when they first got here uh just knowing the things that i i know you know um so but that developed your story of what your worth and your value is because you work hard, right? And yeah. and it's there's a certain commonality that it's like we love an underdog story. Like so socially, middle class, lower middle class, and lower class loves the underdog, addicted to struggle. We don't like people that have already had it, and it's like <laughs> so. It's like we kind of take on this identity and I know it's something that I've definitely taken on myself as I've been a person that's like worked my way up 
but I have made this shift towards love. Like I'm making sure like the things that I do, I love what I'm doing. And that's what I'm saying. Like I'm going through a current shift right now. It's like, I want to do something else that's like this way. So it's like, I don't, it's, it's a process. It's going to take me. You're fleshing it out. Yeah. But, (laughs) But I love that you've said this and like fear will exhaust you in a way that love never will. Hmm. And oh, that is so, that is so powerful. And so many more people need to know that it doesn't mean that you don't work hard. Okay. It doesn't mean that you don't put forth effort. It means that your source, your fuel, it's completely different because it's not going to burn you out. And you touched on toxic positivity. And a lot of, a lot of this world is wrapped around this toxic positivity that, you know, we're always supposed to be happy. Everything's supposed to be so good. Yeah not the case it's not it's it's not we're all supposed to be instagram ready constantly and it's like that's not real life real life is my kitchen is messy i've got laundry laying upstairs in the laundry room like that's real life like my house is not instagram ready every second of the day but then we make a judgment about that right because now that's the story we tell ourselves we see these we see these images on the screen and we go oh the story is that's their real life and then we look around at our own home and we go it's not my story. Therefore I'm wrong. Therefore I'm bad. Therefore I'm not enough. Instead of going, no, they're just posting a pretty picture. That's it. Look there. They moved all the crap out of their living room, took a nice picture, you know, made it look all nice and neat. And then, you know what, once that's done, they move all their crap back in again. Like, don't worry about it. Don't be so stressful. I don't know if you've seen this, but I have seen this and it happens more and more as there's more influencers in the world. And I use that term ironically. Um, anyway, I have a whole issue with this industry and we won't go there because I'll get on my soapbox and start preaching and it's not fair to people listening. Um, but I don't know if you, like, I live in a place where people come to vacation, right? So people come to vacation in Vancouver and, and, you know, see, do all the sightseeing or whatever. And as a local, if you go, you'll see these people, um, you know, at the sunflower fields or whatever, or, or at gross grind or whatever, and they'll be snapping pictures and they'll just be like perfectly posing. And they look so happy and big smiles. And then you watch them the minute the camera goes down and everything changes. They all of a sudden, they all of a sudden become real people. Do you know what I mean? Like I always giggle because you see these and, and I'll just pick on women because I am a woman. Um, men do the exact same thing, but you see these women and they're post they're posing for these perfect pictures. And then whoever's taking the picture will go, okay, I got it. And all of a sudden you can see shoulders down, boobs down, tummy out, like nor- normal pose, you know, like normal body. Whereas before it was all awkwardly posed. So everything looked good. And then she'll walk over and she'll look and she'll go, ugh, ugh, judgment after judgment about picture after picture. And every once in a while, you'll hear someone go, why couldn't you take it from lower? Like, so now they're complaining to each other. And so like the whole scenario is kind of actually uncomfortable and unpleasant, mm-hmm. but they're going to go to their hotel room or their home. They're going to edit that picture and they're going to say best day ever at gross prime. Like what a struggle, but we made it to the top, you know, or what or hashtag blessed. And you're like going, I saw that. That was not hashtag blessed. You guys didn't even look like you were having that much fun. Do you know what I mean? But they create a story for us. And then we go to gross grind and we go, well, we'll go up gross grind. And then we're going to be hashtag blessed like they were. And by the end we're dying because it was a miserable experience. Gross grind is really hard to hike. Anyway, not the point, but like you, 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 we reach the top of the mountain and you go, I am not happy here. I did not have the, the amazing experience. So, oh, there must be even more wrong with me. I'm not positive enough. I'm not happy enough. I am wearing the right outfit for the hike because that girl looked better or I weigh 10 pounds too much. That must be why I didn't have the beautiful hashtag blessed experience she had. And it's like, no, you didn't have the experience because she was selling you a BS story. She was selling you a BS story. The story you think she had wasn't even hers. And you are freaking yourself out about not being enough on something that isn't even based on reality. And it's like, we have to stop this madness. Yes. You just, um, you, you spoke to myself because I have a friend that is just like that. You know, she will spend, yeah. go on vacation, spend all day taking pictures. And it looks like a great time. It looks <laughs> like, and you look back at it. And that's the thing. We create the stories in our mind. So like, we'll look back at the pictures and we'll be like, 
oh, I guess this was fun. It looked like it was a great time. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, I'll tell people I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so bad. I'm like, I get so tired of taking all the pictures, right? Because yeah. it's like you, you take too many I take a lot of pictures. I'm not gonna, but I like to capture like real life moments, like real laughs. Like I like to capture my real life. Yeah. Everybody. And there's nothing, sorry, I was good. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with capturing your real life and, and loving the picture taking. It's just when we begin to build a narrative that other people, plan. yeah. You want to make other people jealous. You want everybody to think you're having a good time, but people that you don't even talk to, like that's not how I operate my life but yes that we got a whole I'm in that demographic of people that and that's why I look at people's social medias first like if somebody tells me oh I'm thinking about dating this person or whatever or if it's a man that I know or a female that I know I'm like okay let me see their social because I've Mm -hmm. got so good at being like you know people only show the their highlights you know so what do they think are highlights what yeah. you see so much about the type of person, if you want to deal with the type of person by how they interact with people on social media, the things they say, granted, it's not, it's, and, if, and then you meet them in person and you see if any of that matches up. Cause a lot yeah. of people don't match up the same, but I, I digress. So we talked about the first step of identifying your story. The second step is like, what do you value? What is the third step? Yeah. And then, then you write your, your, once you know your values, actually write out a new story for yourself, really write out a new story for yourself and then decide what actions will coincide with my new story. Because very often we think that, you know, or maybe I should say it like this. We need to think, we need to live ourselves into a new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. We don't think ourselves into a new way of living right? Like very often we go, well, if I change my mindset, then I'll live different. That's a really, really hard route to take because changing your mind is extremely difficult, right? Because the mind, the mind, if you think about it, your consciousness is your ego. Your ego does not want to change because it means to it, it means if I change, I die. If I change my ego, my ego dies. And so it doesn't like that. So it will fight any mindset change. It does not like mindset change. So you want to live yourself into a new way of thinking right? You want to say what actions coincide with this type of story. And then I am going to take those actions and my mindset will follow. My mindset, the way I think will follow. Cause at first you're going to hate it. At first you're going to fight it. At first you're going to find lots of resistance because your ego is going, no, I don't want to die. I want to stay the same, right? Like, so take, for example, me wanting to become a more intuitive worker. My, my ego goes, no, you're going to become lazy right? I don't want to die. I'm living on this story. Don't take it from me. And I have to go, no, I'm going to live in a different way because here's the thing, right? Our stories, oh God, this gets so complicated. Okay. But I'll I'll go here. Our stories are technically, or they're they're created in our consciousness, but they come from our subconscious, right? We get, because we get all this stuff in our subconscious and then it flows out into our consciousness makes, makes sense of it, right? We have all these weird things in our, in our subconscious and then our conscious goes, oh, so this is what it all means, right? So what you're doing when you live a different way before you think a different way, and I know the old saying, fake it till you make it is, is, a, is a dumb saying, so I don't mean it like that, but you're living a new way before you think a new way so that your subconscious has evidence for a new story because your story won't change unless you have evidence for a new story. So when you live a different way, your subconscious is going, oh, wait, we're not that person anymore because we just noticed evidence about how we're not. And then that filters into your consciousness. And now your consciousness can go, oh, so I need to make a shift because I'm getting new evidence because your stories are based on your evidence, right? Like I believed the story about being a hard worker because I saw my mom being a hard worker. I had evidence and I had emotions attached to that evidence. I loved my mother dearly. I was very enmeshed with my mother. Actually, I often thought I was my mother. Like it was very unhealthy enmeshed relationship. I actually thought my grandmother was my mother and my mother was my sister before 
I was like seven years old because my mom would call my grandma mom. Anyway, this is a side story, but my, my mom would call my grandma mom. So I thought, oh, that's my real mom. And then I looked at my mom and I went, well, you must be my sister then. <laughs> so I had this weird, weird enmeshment with my mother. Um, anyway, so lots of therapy <laughs> for that one. But um, basically you want to give your brain new evidence so that your brain goes, oh, I am no longer that person. So I must live this new story now. Right. So let's say you're a person who doesn't do follow through. Let's say you start ideas and you never do follow through. Well, you want to go, okay, my new story is I am a person who is ferocious on follow through. I am a person who um, prioritizes follow through more than anything else. I will not start a new project before I follow through. That's my new identity, right? Then you go, okay, if that is true, what actions correspond with that? And you start taking those actions and then your subconscious will go, oh, look, there's evidence we're a follow through person. There's evidence we're a follow through person. And it will filter into your consciousness and your consciousness will go, yeah, I used to not follow through see, but I do now. And that's how you create change. I know that's kind of a complicated sort of circular, I don't know, thing, but hopefully that came across the way I meant it. (laughs) You got got it. it. Okay. You got what I'm laying down. (laughs) But what you said in the beginning about why you basically, you have to start doing the things before Hmm. you believe it. And then I I wrote, because I'm like, that's why change of perspective is a miracle that right there, because it's so hard for us to think in the way before we see the evidence for the thing that we want. So it it just, it, it kind of went full circle. Um, and yeah, because our story is totally based on evidence and that's, I mean, that's why I'm so big on seeing now everything that we want to accomplish has pretty much been accomplished, you know? So you see somebody else did it and then you, that, that helps like for me seeing that someone else was able to accomplish whatever thing it was, um, helps me be like, okay, well that's possible for me. Mm. It's a lot harder. I feel like to do something as the first and then that's when, see, I'm such a big affirmation person. I really, I really, it's beautiful because I've seen just saying and and the power of speaking the things you want into existence and also prayer and you know if you just but putting in those habits like I'm not gonna say I'm gonna lose some weight if I'm not going and exercises exercising or I'm not changing my eating changing my eating habits you know that's because it's a big thing you can't just be sitting down eating chips cake and popcorn and all the stuff um, and expecting this weight to just fall off. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting thing because the enlightenment, um, gave us a new way of thinking the, when, during the enlightenment, um, we were, we were told it mind over matter, right? So mind over the body and, and that's beautiful because it gave us individualism, which was very important for the time. Individualism has had its time in the sun. It needs to recede back into the, into its proper place, but it gave us the individual, which is fantastic because before then there were no individual rights, et cetera, et cetera. So all good, all good. It's just time to step back a little bit, but anyway, not the point. The point is we were told mind over matter. The, the, your thinking is more important than your matter, your body. And here's the thing. Like you said, if you sit on a couch and you think to yourself, I'm a thin person, I'm a thin person. You can do that for 20 years and make a dent in your weight because your mind is not more important than your matter. They are, I mean, I can't give you a ratio if they're equally as important, but they are both massively important. So your matter, your body must get up and go do something different. It cannot just be your mind. Those two things have to work in conjunction, right? Like if you, oh gosh, what is his name? Jonathan. Oh, he's a beautiful American author. Um, Jonathan, I never get his last name right. Had, had he, H-A-I-D-T, H-I-A-D-T, whatever it is. He wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. He wrote, um, oh, something else he wrote. Wonderful book. Um, but all of his books are quite lovely. I would recommend them all. But, you know, he really talks about um, 
the elephant and the rider, right? Or is it the horse and the rider? I forget. But where like the power is in the horse or the elephant, whatever his example is, the power is in the beast. But we give the rider so much power because we think that the rider is the one in charge where it's actually the beast that's the one that has all the power. And it's kind of like that example of the mind over matter. It's like, no, your beast, (laughs) your body has to feel different, has to move, has to be in the game, not just your head. And so that's why, like, I know where fake it till you make it came from. It's really, really bad because it's very falsely false positive kind of crap, but there is a kernel of truth to you have to do actions before you believe those actions are part of your identity. There is a part of that, that there's a kernel of truth to you must participate in things that you might not yet believe because as you participate in them, you will believe them. Yep. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Um, that's, Good one. <laughs> Good one. That's, that's like my go-to, like you gotta, yeah. you have to have, um, their inspired action. A lot of the woo-woos will say that, you know, they'll talk about manifesting, but then they talk about inspired action. Um, yeah. it does go hand and hand. And I love, I love this. Like this is Meg, this was so good. I, I, fun. It, it was, it fired me up for the day and <laughs> I got so many notes here. Like I was yeah. sideways and everything. And there's so many great takeaways. Um, so just tell me a little bit more about where everybody will find you. I know I've got, I, I mentioned your um, links in the show notes below, but just a little bit more about what you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So a huge part of my work is working with women who are saying to themselves, look, I have either, either I have accomplished what I thought I needed to accomplish. And I'm realizing it's not as fulfilling as I thought it was, or women who are going, I've been struggling to accomplish this. And I just simply and butting up against a wall. Cause I don't think it's actually for me. Right. So either, or you're, you're looking at your life and you're going, I am dissatisfied and unfulfilled and I'm ready to burn it to the ground. Right. I work with women who are going like, let's burn it to the ground. Let's look at all the pieces and then let's construct something. That's an actual reflection of who you are and what you want to value and the actual impact you want to make in yourself, in your families, in your communities, and in your culture. Like, let's stop. It's very similar to what we talked about today. Let's stop believing all the crap that we've been taught. Let's, let's look at, yes, there's valuable stuff there. We want to keep the valuable, but we want to discard the stuff that doesn't help us anymore. And then we want to build something really beautiful. So if you are a woman who you're listening to this and you're going like, I am dissatisfied. I did all the things I thought I was supposed to do and, and I'm not fulfilled taking that opportunity to pull it all out and look at it again, and then construct something that's actually for you is something I adore, adore doing. So one, if that's the type of work that you're interested in, I I love journeying with women as they go through that process. The other thing that I do is I host a lot of um, women's circles. And so I believe in the power of women gathering. It's not just, you know, coming to hear someone speak or someone teach you women when they gather are full of wisdom and full of just this beautiful innate knowledge that we need to share. And so if you're interested in joining a woman's circle, it's an opportunity to gather with other women and have conversations like the one we're having today, where we share, this is the human experience. This is what I'm going through. And then have a sisterhood actually support you through that and give you resources along your way. So those are the two things that I'm super passionate about. And you can find that all on my website. I am not a social media person. So I'm on what my, I have two kids. I have a 17 year old and a 15 year old. And my kids always say I'm on the mom social media. So that means I'm on Facebook. I'm not on anything else. You might find old accounts somewhere, but I'm not active on anything else. You can always look me up on Facebook as well. Awesome. Well, Meg, thank you so much. I'm so happy. It was such a pleasure having you here. And uh, I, this is such a good podcast. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I have loved and so enjoyed talking with you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.
Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.